This is the podcast where you introduce us. Yeah, I know. Thanks for starting that with Rivers. So that's fun. <laughs> Welcome to the Bank Film Podcast. I'm Holly, your guest, and this is Eric Gordon Berg, our host. And to this evening, we're going to be speaking about Lord of the Rings. It's really uh, weird for people to be into movie soundtracks. Yeah, I heard that you thought that. <laughs> it is. It's even weird for me. <laughs> But, so my point is, why are you weird? Um, because I was born that way. Mm. Yeah. That's a lame answer. No. <laughs> I got no other answer. <laughs> so when when was the first time you were like, wow, that music's really cool? Um, so I think the first time I, like, really paid attention to movie soundtracks was <laughs> Tarzan from Disney with Phil Collins. I think that was, like, the first, like, epiphany where I was like... Oh shit! I remember this my music is fantastic. My brother had the the physical CD <laughs> of that soundtrack. Well, then he and I have that in common. <laughs> he probably doesn't remember what he would play it in his CD player in his room, and it was really good except for that one song where it's like a bunch of sound effects <laughs> compiled together turning into a song. Do you remember that? Yeah, is that Horrible. the the pan one where I they're think just so, like? Yeah. Isn't there, like, a typewriter or something yeah, in there? Yeah, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's just them, like, making a bunch of noise. It's like Trash in the Camp. I think that's yeah. actually the name of the song, Trash in the Camp. It sounds about right. <laughs> and I can't remember who it was. It's, like, Whoopi Goldberg or somebody plays, like, the little gorilla in the scene. And, yeah, the whole song comes on to play after that. But it's just, like, <laughs> yeah, super awkward. When was the last time you saw that movie? Um... Probably like five years ago. It's been that a recent? Long. Yeah, that recent. It's been a while. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it was, yeah, within probably five years. And I, yeah. Is it still good? Oh, yeah. It holds up. Does it, though, or is it just nostalgia? I mean, it could be both, but I feel like it still holds up. Like, Phil Collins is great all the time. And that, like, that went mainstream. Like, people who hadn't even seen the movie. Like, it was kind of like uh, Lion King. Mm-hmm. how those soundtracks like hit the top 40 pop charts and they just took off and people didn't even watch the movie but they're like I love that song. I feel like that was Phil Collins. So what other what other soundtracks when you were younger? Um The Matrix stands out. I know that came out when I was pretty young. The only thing I remember from that soundtrack is that little horn thing that it does. <laughs> Like when he's doing slow motion every time. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like there's like a car going by, but it's actually instruments. That's all I remember from that soundtrack. Yeah. It's so electro, especially the second movie, Reloaded, I think. Great CGI in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that, especially now. That really holds up that nowadays. That holds up. Yeah. <laughs> That's like when, my, when they do the um, the pile when, like, all the yeah, Agent Smiths yeah. pile on him, like, in that park or whatever. It's, like, the most disgusting CGI you've ever seen in your life. And it's, like, why did they ever release this and be, like, yeah, that's fine. What's even worse is I have this memory of um, when I stayed home sick once from school. And you'd look through the DVDs and you'd put a DVD in it. And I'm, like, yeah, Matrix. And I remember getting to that scene and being like, oh, I remember how awesome this was. But even on that rewatch, I still thought it was awesome. And then probably like 10 years ago, I went back and watched that scene and I was like, this is so, it looks like they have like 
paper plates on their faces. It was just someone just drawing eyes in a mouth. It's so bad. I loved so the MTV Movie Awards to throw back to that in 2000, whatever the hell year it was. They did a spoof of it with um, his first name is Sean, but he's Stifler from uh, American Pie. Yeah. Sean um, William Scott. Yeah, and so it was him and somebody else. It might have been Justin Timberlake, but they did, like, spoofs of The Matrix, and it was that movie. And so they were like, Sean Pyle, Sean Pyle, and just making fun of the crappy CGI. That was probably one of the funniest opens I've seen for any kind of award show. But I was like, thank God they made fun of that because it was really bad. <laughs> you know what movie? They even knew when it came out that it was bad. It was like The Scorpion King. Like, in the second Mummy movie, where everybody just knew it was, like, the worst CGI they've ever seen. And they still somehow were just like, yeah, we're still going to release this because people are going to watch it anyways. It's like, whatever. I loved those Mummy movies as a kid. Yeah. They're fantastic. I heard a rumor a while ago that they're doing another one. Um, yeah. So I follow <laughs> multiple Mummy, <laughs> like, fan pages no. on Facebook. Why? <laughs> and Brendan Fraser, like... <laughs> Like, meme pages. And, yeah, people go absolutely nuts over that crap. And they're just super pumped with even just, like, the concept that a fourth Mummy movie could come out. To be honest, I've never seen the third one. The Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Oh, yeah. I never actually saw that one because the first and second were too good. And then they replaced Evie. And I was like, I can't deal with that. So I never gave it a chance. But You were like, I can't deal with this. I'm just joining the fan pages. Yeah. I'm just going to relive the glory that was the 1999 cinematic masterpiece that is The Mummy with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. I think that we will look back on the early 2000s like older people look back at the 70s. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. For movies and music and life in general. Like, internet was there, but it was kind of... Yeah, it was still, like, in its infancy, so it wasn't, like, a big deal. Or you'd use it in school and you hated it. Yeah, or you're, like, yeah. Didn't understand the full power of it back then. That's because I feel like there wasn't really much power back then. It was just, like, a digital encyclopedia. Yeah. Like... Instead of going to the library manually looking up the book that I got to find, I can go to this little web search thing and find it on the shelf that way. Super helpful. (laughs) So speaking of early 2000s, Lord of the Rings, the first time you watched that, did the music stick out to you? Yes. Do you remember which part in particular? Um... I don't know, like every part. (laughs) So I was thinking about this earlier today because every, so Howard Shore and whoever was all involved in the orchestra that built the soundtrack for that movie, they had such distinct scores built for like every major moment and every major like location within Middle Earth. And so like it all stood out and that, I think that's why everybody loves the Peter Jackson film so much versus any other iteration of Middle Earth that we've seen so far. Is yeah, they weren't perfect as far as films go. They cut out a lot of content. Yes, they were. <laughs> they, but they. I mean, a lot of people got beef about Tom Bombadil being cut out and stuff. I'm and, glad he's not in that movie. Yeah, he was an an anomaly. He was a weird anomaly in the book. 
that nobody can really explain to this day. He doesn't have, like, a defined, like, what was he. Like, he's still a mystery character. But overall, the reason that everybody loves those movies, I think, has a lot to do with just the total package. And without the music being as strong as it was, I think it would have hurt it a lot. We'll talk more about the rings of power later. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, I had Christmas after the return of the King came out and my parents were asking me what I wanted for Christmas. And I put the soundtrack for the return of the King. And this was back when they would sell things like that at target. And I got that. Um, we were going to my grandma's house for Christmas and they had us open a couple presents in the morning or whatever. And it was that soundtrack, so I had my CD player with the headphones and everything, and I put that in, and it was, I think, track three. <laughs> and it's where Gandalf is climbing the levels of Minas Tirith, and the music just keeps climbing and climbing as he's going. And I remember I listened to it like 20 times in a row. And I thought it was so cool, and I just kept turning the volume up more and more. And one of my brothers ended up making fun of me because he thought it was just, like, the weirdest thing that I was listening to that. Like, <laughs> why are you listening to a movie soundtrack on a CD? Just jamming out. Yeah, but it was awesome. <laughs> it It is awesome. So one of my favorite tracks that I have on my playlist from Lord of the Rings is the Rohirrim-like theme. Yep. And anything with Rohan, that's like the peak, my favorites, I think, within all three movie soundtracks. Well, the thing that, that he did really interesting with that movie is he changes the instrumentation throughout as things happen. So, for example, when <clears throat> you hear the, the concerning Hobbit's melody at the beginning, it's played on a, a penny whistle. And by the end of the journey, when they return back home, it's being played on actual flutes. So it's like sort of representing their growth. It's no longer like this childish, playful thing. Now it's like... Very complex. Yeah, and adult and grown and matured and everything. And complicated. And he does that same thing with the Rohan theme, where the first time you hear it, if I remember correctly, is when they first arrive. And the flag rips yep, off, which was away. accidental. <laughs> There's so many cool <laughs> accidental things in that movie. Like, every Lord of the Rings page that I'm part of always has, like, the memes about people who are Lord of the Rings freaks pointing out all that crap while you're watching the movie with somebody mm -hmm. else because you can't keep your mouth shut. Yep. And my favorite ones are, like, when Vigo breaks his toe. Yeah, he kicks the helmet. <laughs> and everybody's like... <laughs> Did you know that Vago broke his toe when he kicked that away? <laughs> that scream was real. <laughs> yeah. It's like, cool. <laughs> and they're like, and we're like, oh my God, it's so awesome. Did you watch the behind the scenes full extended versions of the DVDs? And they're like, no, I'm not on the fan pages. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't even watch them and recognize what scenes aren't in the non-extended version because I only watched the theatrical releases in the theater when they were first released. Mm -hmm. And then ever since then, I've only watched my extended editions. Yeah, I'll, that's... I'll never watch the theatrical one again. Yeah, and so I can't, like, 
I can't even tell people the difference, like, what's been added to the extended edition because I just don't even remember what was cut out of the theatrical version to be like, yeah, that's added. That's added. I only, yeah. I think the biggest ones were The Mouth of Sauron. Yeah, that was an add-on, wasn't it? Yep. And... There was a scene with Aragon and Arwen when they're in... Did you uh, say Aragon? Oh, my God, did I? Aragorn? <laughs> my Thank brain. you for watching this podcast. Yeah, this we podcast cut, is over. We tripped over to another <laughs> uh, fantasy genre yeah. there. Um, yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of, like... The, well, I mean, that's the thing. Is it's, it's little... For the most part, it's little scenes here and there that just add to everything. But then Help they... fill out the book information a little bit more. Yeah. Then they um, ended up doing The Hobbit. <laughs> what did you think of that? I didn't hate it as much as I feel like a lot of people did. Um, I still just enjoyed it because it's more content to consume. Mm-hmm. I wish I could say the same thing for Rings of Power. I tried my best. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> but, no, The Hobbit, I, like, it definitely wasn't, like, it was so much more lighthearted, but it was also, like, the original children's book. So mm-hmm. I get why they made it a little bit more fantastical and silly, but it just felt so strange coming off of, like, what was the power of the Lord of the Rings trilogy leading up to that point. So when you compare the two... <laughs> They're on totally different levels, but it was still fun to watch. So I don't, I don't know, I don't hate on it, but it definitely could have been a better experience. And there was a lot of, they went a little wild with CGI on that one where, like, that's the great thing about the first trilogy is that all of that CGI holds up. It's because most of it was practical effects. Yeah, even the flame from the Balrog was like legit flame because they didn't have the software yet to actually produce that type of CGI. I will say the elephant with Legolas riding oh. it <laughs> yeah. looks almost as bad as that Matrix scene we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> rough, especially when he goes sliding off the trunk and he's yeah. like whipping back and forth. Yeah, that's yep. pretty. <laughs> but I mean, at that time, <laughs> that was rough. pretty crazy. Yeah. I think that the third Hobbit movie just kind of left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah. Because I, I saw the first one, and it obviously wasn't the same as Lord of the Rings, because it's not the Lord of the Rings. But I really liked it. The second one, I actually love the second one, still to this day. I really like that movie. I just, I don't know, the the whole, like, they're already in the middle of the journey, so you're not doing all the beginning stuff. They're going through, like, the, the creepy dark forest, and... Gandalf is like doing this investigation thing and I will say the music didn't seem as inspired maybe as the original one. However, that main theme, I think it's called like Underhill or something like that. Oh, yeah, maybe. It's like the main Hobbit theme. Yeah. It's so good, and nobody talks about it. The the Misty Mountain song, too, that they sing, like, it's a really good song. But, again, I think that third movie just kind of ruined it for everyone. On top of the, the CGI, it just kind of left people, like, meh. 
Yeah. Well, and I think they stretched it out and they didn't need to make it into three movies. I know they were trying to add, like, the appendices and, like, a lot of the Mm -hmm. history of Middle Earth, little snippets that could have been coinciding with what was taking place during that time. So I get what they were trying to do, but I feel like they stretched it a little too thin. And they ended it in a really weird spot with between the second and the third movie. So it was, like, weird that they decided to end it before he attacks the town. Because that was, like, a huge buildup. Mm-hmm. And then that major scene happens right at the beginning of the third movie. And then it was, like, really dull for a very long time in the third movie. And then it builds up to the Battle of the Five Armies. Yes. Yeah. And it's just, like, a bunch of people just kind of show up. Yeah. And then it's, like, this giant CGI orgy <laughs> for, like, two hours. That white orc. And, yeah, it just kind of... It just wasn't... It felt like a forced sort of climax at the end. I don't know. It just... Yeah, it's like the the complexity that was put into the first three movies, they kind of skipped out on for the <laughs> Hobbit movies. And so they could have done so much more with practical effect, and they decided to do just CGI, which I don't understand. Like, I know that Weta Digital is amazing, but... I remember practical, hearing... You just can't replace practical. No, you can't. I remember hearing that... Um... I may be remembering this wrong, so nobody quote me on this. I'm going to judge the shit out of you right now. I remember hearing something about Peter Jackson, because they used, like, a different frame rate or something. Okay. Which is what made the CGI look kind of weird. And I remember reading something about how he was saying that he felt like the industry was moving in this direction. And so he wanted it to age well. Because of that. I think it was 60 frames per second. 60 yeah. frames per second? I think so. Yeah, it was something It was something like that. But and I think it still does look really good, but it's just very obviously CGI. Right. You know, you watch the original Lord of the Rings, and yeah, maybe some of the makeup didn't age super well, but it's like that's a person standing there. That's an actual physical person. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of these these shows and movies now that use this stagecraft thing. You know about that? Are you talking about like the volume? Yeah, where it's got the screens. Yeah, it's all just the like way a around. massive LED yeah. screen, and it looks incredible. But you can feel it when you watch the movie. So, like the perfect example of this of this would be the uh, the new Ant Man movie. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. They're they shrink down into the quantum realm, and so everything's huge. But the camera is just, like, always so up close and narrow on them. You can tell that they're acting in just this confined space. Because it's like the whole movie is done on that stage. And it's only so big, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's cool, but you can feel it when you watch the movie. You can feel that these aren't real sets. And then when you see a scene, like, in The Mandalorian, they use that all the time. And then there was an episode in season two i believe at the towards the end they're out in this open area uh shooting fighting some people i think boba fett shows up or something and they use a real set and you can clearly like feel that this is a big open space and that's real right so it's it's cool but at the same time it kind of takes away from it a little bit when the whole movie's done on that yeah i agree i think it should be used as a tool when you can benefit the actors in a confined space to be able to provide them with a really realistic looking scene around them that they can react to instead of green screen. 
So if you want to replace green screen with that, perfect. But if you're going to replace practical sets that you would normally have built instead of that, just because you have this super expensive LED screen that you built that takes up an entire warehouse. (laughs) It's probably a lot cheaper. That's probably why they do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's got to be expensive to run like that complicated equipment and sync. But think about how many people you need. You don't have to scout locations. You don't have to transport people. You don't have to find places to for them to sleep. You don't have to cater out into the middle of nowhere or do any of that stuff. You just go down to the studio and show up for your shift for 19 hours or whatever they're filming before they go on strike. I was going to say, that's probably why they're on strike right now, because the people who are creating the graphics that have to render this entire 3D environment that the camera pairs with, they're probably getting paid like $8.50 Eight fifty an hour. Yeah, there's actually... <laughs> that's why they're all striking right now. There's this whole controversy with the, the CGI, the companies that do all these practical effects, because yeah. basically what happens is they... Companies like Marvel, or Disney rather, will say, hey, we have this thing that we need to make, and they essentially auction it off to these different companies for the lowest bidder, and then they take it, and then they're like, yeah, we need that done by this date... Um, which is not enough time. And also we have 12 more projects and then all these companies get slammed with CGI. And that's supposedly why CGI has gotten so bad lately is because there aren't physically enough companies out there to take on all this work. And then when they do take on the work, they're not only underpaid, but the deadlines they're given aren't far enough out. So they have to end up rushing it. And then you end up with terrible cgi and now there's actually rumors that these companies might be forming a union as well so there might just be like a complete chaos in hollywood yeah i saw that um i can't remember which company the people decided to or voted to unionize and it's like groundbreaking it might have been disney or something but it'll be interesting to see what happens there but they definitely are underpaid it's ridiculous when you can just make movie magic like that happen with very little effort, all you need is a really high-powered computer, yeah. and you're getting paid shit to do it, and that's what makes or breaks the entire, like, feel and vibe of the film when you have really, really poor CGI inserted mm-hmm. in there. It, like, completely takes you out of the whole, like, setting, and so when you break that, it's just, yeah, and then they're getting paid trash to do it. What did you think about the CGI on Rings of Power? It was, so I know that they broke the record for the most money spent on a show. (laughs) And I think a lot of that probably had to do with some of the CGI and everything that they accomplished with the way it looked, because it was beautiful. Like, that's one of the things I can give to that show, is that it was absolutely stunning to look at. Um, too bad that they didn't put that much effort into the plot and the characters. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Like, it was beautiful. Like, that was the one thing I had going for it. I was like, this is absolutely stunning. Like, if Peter Jackson could have had that kind of budget to rock that first, like, yeah. series or even to use that in The Hobbit, oh, man. Like, that would have been insane. But it almost seemed like a waste to a certain point because it was like, you spent all that... <laughs> Just to make it pretty, and then we got like. <laughs> I actually. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. I actually fell asleep multiple times watching that show because here's the thing. Huge Lord of the Rings dork, obviously. 
I'm like, oh, Amazon's doing it. I don't know how I feel about this. Let's watch it. And I sit down to watch it, and I just was so bored. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, there's some really, like you said, amazing CGI. The music is, I would say it's nowhere near what Howard Shore did. No. But it's still good, and I don't know if you know who did the music for that. It's I don't. Bear McCreary. And the most recent thing that he did was the the new God of War games. So uh-huh. he's like he's huge right now. Okay. He's a really good composer. But it just was so boring to watch. Yeah, it was super <laughs> boring to watch. And like the music, even though it was like So I would say the music was strong, but it wasn't, like, engaging. It didn't make me feel anything. Like, the whole time I was watching it, I felt like the music was trying to tell me how I should feel during this scene, but the emotions just weren't there. Like, the performances were lackluster. Like, I didn't care about the characters. I didn't really care about the plot. And so the music would be, like, really swelling up to be, like, this fantastical moment to try and make you feel like you should feel really like emotional in this moment of the scene but you just felt absolutely nothing so the music was just swelling for no reason you're just like yeah i don't care it made it seem like the music didn't fit but the music was doing its job it's just the i don't know if that's like a directing thing or just just the performance itself but i was on the internet and i had somebody i saw somebody post something about why isn't the Rings of Power soundtrack getting more attention? Why isn't it, you know, winning awards and whatever? And I read that and I'm like, it. I'm curious to see what you think about this. I'm like, it's because the show wasn't good. <laughs> and I know that sucks for the, the composer and everyone that worked in the music department, but would you agree that to an extent... If a show is so underwhelming and disappointing, the music is going to suffer as a consequence of that. Because oh, yeah. people people aren't going to see a movie and be like, you know what, that soundtrack is so good, the movie is terrible. It's, I would say there are instances where the movie is not fantastic, but you will notice a song that's been really well produced. And you're like, oh, wow, that was actually great. But the movie sucked. I don't feel like the music from Rings of Power was so amazing that it made up for the lack of performance. I agree. And that's the problem. Because, like, they complement each other. Like, you have really powerful performances. Like, characters that you care about. The story arcs are really interesting. And then the movie, or, like, the audio just backs it up and just compounds it. So it's all more powerful together. When one is lacking, the other one either has to be so amazing that it makes up for the crappy acting or crappy plot, and it just didn't have that going for it. Like, it was good music, and if there was good acting, yeah, they would have been, like, on par with each other. I think a perfect example of that is Game of Thrones, where the earlier seasons, those themes come in, and you're like, yes. And then you get to season seven and eight, (laughs) and you're like, oh, it's the uh, the Targaryen theme. Yeah. And then the Night King's like slow motion walking <laughs> for 45 minutes. And you're like, yeah, this is pretty exciting. In the dark and you couldn't even see it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's him. I, d- is that the, I don't know exactly is that the who Night that King? is. 
Like, what the <laughs> hell is even happening in this episode? I still where remember. Where is Jon Snow? Where the hell is he? I still remember watching that. I remember where I was, and I was so excited, <laughs> even though I felt like that show died in season seven. But I would agree. I was watching that episode, and I was so excited and, like, nervous because you're like, this is it. Yeah. This is what we've been waiting for. This is for. the big battle. And then you're like, oh, my God, Sam's going to – oh, no, he's fine. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, Brienne's going to die. Oh, know, she's, she's fine? Right. I thought she just got eaten, like, literally looked like she was yeah. getting eaten. Yeah, I guess and then all of a sudden she was fine. off the side of it. And yeah. Also, I'm gonna, I got to make a note that I'm really happy that these are, like, becoming a thing, but – like cinematic score concerts, even if it's not the original orchestra playing it or even like the original people, like they're having these basically concert events, but all it is is movie score. Yeah, I, I went to <laughs> and the I'm like, yes, I went to win the for Game the Nerds. Of Thrones. <laughs> was it one of the candlelight ones or was it like no, it was, just like a. It was the actual composer went on tour and they had like a bunch of the musicians that performed on it and they had screens showing scenes from the movies and like things falling from the ceiling. It was, it was ridiculous, but that makes me jealous. Anyway, would you, especially uh, because Game of Thrones is like one of my favorite composers from you and Jawadi. Yeah. Would you like to do an outro? Uh, Scratch that. Do the outro. No. (laughs) It's part of the rules. What am I supposed to say? You're supposed to say thank you for watching the Bink Film podcast. Catch us on social. Good yep. job, Eric. Yeah, but you have to say the whole thing. Nope. All done. You want, you were supposed to do another episode with us, right? Nope. Oh, That was okay. it. One and done. Well, in that case, thank you for tuning into the Bink Film podcast. Uh, my name is Eric Gordonberg. You can chep, chep, chep us out, chep, chep us chep out, us out <laughs> on social media. And the guest here does not get named because she did not participate. Except they already heard my name right in the beginning. We'll cut that out. <laughs> Bye. See you next time.